Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your provision to us. Thank you that we can come to you in prayer and that we come in the name of Jesus, our mediator. And we know you hear our voice, Father. We've been adopted as your children. And we ask that you would guide us in truth as we pray in your, through your word, in your word, according to your word. And Lord, as we give financially, we ask that you would bless these, uh, these tithes, these offerings, this money for your kingdom purpose. Lord, we are grateful to get to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And we ask now that you would bless us as we seek to understand your will and your way according to your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We do that by gathering as God's people. And while I am very thankful for the technology that we are able to use and will continue to use, the, the best way to be God's church is to be in proximity to one another. We encourage one another most effectively when we can see one another and be with one another. Again, we know that, that there are physical limitations, some who are prone uh, to, to possibly get very sick. We want to encourage you, of course, to, to remain and worship in your homes. But everyone who's able, please come and please know children are here. We, we are so happy to have boys and girls here worshiping God, hearing the preaching of His Word. I want to encourage you to do that as we're in this year of 2020 vision where we're, where we're being invited by God. Come see what God can do. We know what God can do. God can transform lives. God can perform miracles. And then he calls us and allows us to be a part of what he's doing in the world as, as we live out our mission as a church to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And we want to see God do this. Right now we're in this series where we're talking about seeing the need for love. Uh, love is, is what we were made for. We've been made in the image of God. God is love and he calls us to love. Remember, Love is a choice. It's more than a feeling. We are commanded by God to love, and we are to choose to love. Now, I say that fully understanding that that is a very scary thing. I, I know that there are some of you who have lived a very charmed life, and you you've never have had your heart broken, if not a charmed life, a very young life. Don't worry, it'll happen. We, we can know that if we love something, it's probably going to hurt us. C.S. Lewis said this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative tr to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers and perturbations, that is, an uneasiness, the only the only place where you can be free of dangers and, and uneasiness of love is hell. To live without love is to live without God. It, it is to live in the worst of circumstances and conditions. 
God calls us to love. And to love is to be vulnerable. It is to put yourself out there. And it is to to venture to possibly have your heart broken. Now today we're going to talk about how we as disciples of Jesus are called to love our country. And we can know full well that your, 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 your country can very easily break your heart. I love the United States of America. I pray for our country. And I've been singing this prayer over this last weekend and, and in other times, as I'm sure many of you do too. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. And I do pray that God would bless America because I do love the United States of America, even though there are many things about this country I do not agree with. There are many things about the laws that that I do not support. When I see the stars and stripes that is our flag, when I sing the national anthem, I do that out of a great respect for the men and women of all colors who have fought for my freedom. Because of their sacrifice, we have freedom to to be a people under God. And that's why I gladly recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, some don't believe that. Some don't agree with that. Some don't pledge that. And you know what is the great thing about America? They don't have to. We can agree to disagree. That is one of the great freedoms, one of the great rights that we have. We know that there are no perfect people in the world. And so we know that there is there's no such thing as a perfect country. All a country is, is a, a un- gathering or uniting of people under specific laws in a particular place with a significant ethos or culture. And, and because con- countries are made up of people, and because people are imperfect, there is no such thing as a perfect country. Our Declaration of Independence says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, And they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And yet, from 1619 to 1865 on this continent, uh, black people were enslaved. They were not given those freedoms. From the beginning of this nation, 1776, all the way till 1920, women were not allowed to vote. Since uh, 1973, in the decision by the Supreme Court of Roe versus Way, over 60 million babies have been murdered and they've not been given the right to life. Since uh, the 17th century, Native Americans have been pressured and pushed away from their homes and pillaged. Even today, there continues to be racism, sexism, classism. Today, human beings are being bought and sold through sex trafficking, prostitution, and pornography. And Recently, 2015, the Obergefell decision made so-called same-sex marriage legal. Uh, The very thing that if you read closely, it doesn't really require that close of a reading, Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 32, you see that that is one of the sure signs that God is abandoning a people, abandoning a country to sin. Now, America is not perfect. As a matter of fact, we may be under the curse of God having turned our backs on God, 
having dishonored the Lord and to his very face said, we will not yield. We will not cooperate. We will not be a part of your design. We are choosing to go against you. Now, the good news for those of us who are Christians is this. We can thrive under any government system. Because see, you have to understand, our identity is not found in a physical space, a geography, or even a political ideology. Our hope is not found in political leaders. Our, our salvation is not found in a government. Our salvation is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can know that no matter what circumstances we may find ourselves in, we can thrive because we are in and under the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that is why when, when you look at, at countries like China and Iran, where those government systems are, are very much against and persecute the Christian faith. That is where the Christian church is growing the fastest today. Friends, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are because Jesus Christ is Lord. He is working miracles and he will work through his people. He will accomplish his purpose. And we who live here in the United States of America, we have been given a great freedom and with that great freedom comes a great responsibility. The, the Bill of Rights, the first Bill of Rights, the first amendment of the Constitution says this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We are free to gather. We are free to sing. We are free to celebrate. Are we going to be socially responsible? Absolutely we are. That's why we're spaced uh, apart from one another. That's why we put masks on while we sing. It's not that God calls us to be foolish. He calls us to be faithful to Him and to His Word. And we live in a country where we have this Bill of Rights that says, yes, you can do this. And we have this great calling of God and the power of God that makes us who we are. Who are we? What are we? Matthew 5, 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden we are a city within the city. We are a nation within the nation. We are a light to the world as we walk in Christ, the light and life of all who believe. And as Christians, we have this fundamental belief. We have this fundamental understanding that God can change the heart, the mind, and the identity of anyone. Because God can change a people, He can change a country. Because God can change a people in a country, we pray that He will, and we believe that we, He will. And, and we're not so worried uh, just about the, the outward looks of change. No, no, here's what we understand. You change the root, you change the fruit. If you change the heart of a person, you change the life of a person. And while laws are certainly good to protect people from one another, laws can't change the heart of a person. Only God can do that. And God has the power to do that. And so that's why we, every morning at 7.14 a.m. or 7.14 p.m., we pray 2 Chronicles 7.14. We pray, if my, and we, out of the understanding of if my people, this is God speaking, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what we're praying for. Trusting that God hears us 
Trusting that God cares about us. Trusting that God wants to bring a great awakening. Believing that God wants to save sinners and give them new life. We pray toward that end and we ask God to do it. But God has called us to do more than pray. God has called us to participate in bringing his blessing to the city within the nation that we are a part of. Jeremiah 29, 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Our text today shows us how we can best love our country. Our text today shows us how we can live out this great freedom given not only by our Constitution, but by God himself having made us his own and placed us where he wants us to be. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we, we have a sizable uh, number of verses today that, that I hope to at least uh, g- give you a sense of what they say. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 9 through 17 and, and then give some explanation of it. Beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and now uh, pray God's blessing on the preaching of his word. It's important to understand the background of this text. The apostle Peter was writing to people who were being persecuted by their government. And they were discouraged. They were confused. They couldn't understand how, if, if their God was so great, why they were suffering the way that they were. And so Peter seeks to give explanation to the reality of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in a broken world. In a broken world filled with broken people, there's going to be pain and suffering. There's going to be disappointments and frustrations. There's going to be things that are going to come against us. But Peter reminds them throughout the book that God is greater. God has a plan. God is at work. And God has made us for himself to accomplish his purpose. As those of us who are disciples of Jesus, as we have been loved and now saved by the gospel of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to serve the Lord by loving our country. And and our text shows us how. Four things I would encourage you to note. The first is this. We love our country best by being God's people. Just simply being God's people. 
You know, people often think of the church in the strangest ways. It's strange to me. You know, there's some people who think of the church as, a, as just an institution or corporation. You know, an institution is defined as an organization, establishment, foundation, society, or the like, devoted to the promotion of a particular cause or program, especially one of public, educational, or charitable character. A corporation is defined as an association of individuals created by law or under authority of law, having a continuous existence independent of the existences of its members, and powers and liabilities distinct from those of its members. And while certainly the church is organized, and certainly we do have corporation powers under our government, we are far more than that. It's, it's unfortunate because we live in such a consumeristic culture that there are many Christians who become confused and they think of the church as an institution only or as a corporation only. And they think of it in terms of what does it give me? See, what, what happens to many and is happening to many Christians today is that they, they do not see them as God has made us, which is to serve his purpose. Instead, they see the, themselves as outside the church, which is telling, as those who are simply able to come and get what they want when they want. And, and if it's not how they want, well, they just leave. Or they just decide, you know what, I'm not someone who needs church. I'm, I'm beyond such trivial matters as gathering and worshiping and being under the accountability of the preaching of God's word with other people. But can I say something very pointed here? If you are comfortable speaking of yourself as outside the church, it's probably very real that you are outside the church that you are not members of the body of Christ, that you are not the adopted saints of the King of Heaven. If you do not delight in gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ and giving glory to God, I can assure you that heaven is not for you. Heaven is filled with the saints of God praising the Almighty and delighting in His glory, seeking to say what is true of Him and encouraging others to do the same. Friends, the church is not simply an institution or a corporation. And certainly it's not a good luck charm. And that's how some people see the church. There are some people who honestly tell themselves, well, I went to church this Sunday, then that means I cannot have a bad day this week. I went to church, so God, you owe me. I did your thing. Now let's do my thing. You, this is an exchange here. I went to church. You owe me. They treat church like it's a good luck charm. Or they, they, they at worst, they treat it like penance. Oh God, I know I blew it. I'll go to church tomorrow and I will listen to that bald guy the entire hour. I will, I will sit in and I will just, I will, I will just endure all the songs and all this stuff because I know what I did last night was wrong. I know what I did this week was wrong. I know I've done wrong. So I'm going to make up for it and I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to praise your name. Friends, if that is your heart, you do not know the Lord. The Lord is not calling us to corporation to consumerism. He's, he, he's not calling us to, to think about ourselves. We don't come here to get what we want. We come to give God what he deserves, our praise, our allegiance, our devotion. This isn't about penance. This isn't about giving, getting a good luck charm. It's about being God's people. You know, these views, these, these attitudes, this is foreign 
to the scriptures. What our scripture tells us, if you'll look with me, uh, go back now to verse 9. What the Bible tells us is that the church is a unique people or generation set apart by God, a chosen race. That word race is the Greek word genos. It's generations. Uh, A chosen people who go on and on for generations to come. Now, there's no doubt about it. Everyone who is a Christian is a person who is chosen to repent and believe. But there's also no denying that every person who has truly repented and believed did so because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the gospel. It's because God chose to move upon us that we were willing to repent and to believe in Him. Conviction of sin is a grace of God and enables us to become His people. More than that, we're a nation of priests under King Jesus. Again, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. We are servants of Jesus. We are not consumers of Jesus. It's not about us coming here to get from God what we want. It's about coming here to give God what he's due. It's about living a life that honors him because we're his. We're his people We are a people who proclaim the gospel as his ambassadors. Look look at this. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the United States sends an ambassador to a foreign country, that ambassador is not there to do whatever they please and say whatever they want. They are there as a representative of our nation, in particular our leader. They are there to say what they have been commanded to say. And so it is for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We are ambassadors of Christ. We don't just make up what we want to say. We are to say what our king tells us to say. And what does our king tell us to say? But the truth, the truth of his word. We are to be his ambassadors to the word. We are to proclaim his gospel truth. And we are, as the church, a gathering of people who have become God's family by the mercy of God. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about what we were when we were born. We were born, all of us, orphans, spiritual orphans. We were all born spiritual enemies of God. All of us were empty, brokenhearted people living in sin. And what did God do? He loved us. He died to pay for our sins. He adopted us into his family. He made us his own. So that now we, Living Hope Baptist Church, we are called to be his people and impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of of Jesus. And here's what we know, friends. Our country is in trouble. Our country is hurting. Our country is blind and wallowing about in darkness. And Jesus is calling us to be light. He's calling us to be his ambassadors to show hope, to show love, to show what God can do for his glory, for his sake. We, we need to seek the good of our country. We got to remember, first of all, though, to do that, who we are. Who are we? Matthew 5 again tells us, Matthew 5 beginning in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But look what happens if salt becomes useless. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Thrown out, trampled under people's feet. 
That sounds to me very much what our culture has done with, with biblical truth in the church itself. And why is that? Well, some of it has to do with the darkness in which people are lost in sin. It also has a lot to do with, with the fact that many have come to church and found that it was not salty, that it had no taste of God, that it had no preserving power of God. It was void of truth. And so long as the church continues to wander away from the Word of God and seek to say whatever it is they're selling on Wall Street, the world is going to find us useless. But for those who are willing to stand on the Word of God, to believe in the power of God and the gospel of God, we can be helpful to our country. And we do that by being light. Again, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Again, not glory to you, glory to your Father who is in heaven. Friends, like never before, the United States of America needs to experience the preserving power of the gospel of God. Our nation needs light. And God has put us here to be that salt and that light. All we have to do is simply be who we are. Simply be God's people. Second, take note of this. We love our country best by obeying God's word. You know, before we became God's people, we really had no option. We were compelled to sin. But because of the power of the gospel that we believe, we can pursue and recover God's design. When, when we talk about the three circles and when we share it, here's what we're basically saying. We are no longer in the world God created. God's design, which was harmony and perfection, is gone. We live in a broken world because we've all sinned. But anyone who repents and believes in Jesus Christ, that he died to pay for our sin, that he has been raised to live in and through us, we can pursue and recover God's design. And to pursue and recover God's design is to obey God's word. Now remember what God's word is. This is my favorite definition of God's word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about this. The word of God is a lamp to my feet. It shows me what my next step needs to be. It's a light to my path. It helps me understand everything that is around me. And I'm able to see and understand what is around me through the lens of God's word. You know, a few years ago, I was cleaning out our attic and I found an actual map. Now, boys and girls, I know this sounds crazy, but just a few years ago, maps were books. They weren't apps. And, and they, were, they were actually used by human beings to actually figure out where we are. Some of you are old enough to remember driving in a car and at the same time holding a map, a piece of paper in your hands with the steering wheel while yelling at other people to stop talking to you, right? I mean, I can tell you, I can remember some, some tough days. I remember we were in Los Angeles with Carrie and McKenzie when she was little, and we were driving, and I'm in L.A., and man, it was scary. 
because there were a lot of turns and there were a lot of people that did not seem to know what they were doing either. And, and I just had to look to say, okay, where am I? What's my next turn? This is what the Bible does for us. The Bible says, hey, here's where you are. And we need to understand where we are in terms of reality. The Bible explains reality. What, what, where do we come from? What went wrong? Who can fix it? And, and is there any reason to have hope? The Bible answers those four questions explaining reality. The Bible is a single story. And it explains where we're from. We've been created by God. What went wrong? We sinned. And so we now live in a fallen world. Can anyone fix it? Yes, Jesus Christ. And that's why he's come to rescue us. Is there any reason to have hope? Praise God, yes. This world is not our home. We are passing through. This is as bad as it gets for us. One day, he's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth at restoration. So now, where are we? We're in between rescue and restoration. So what's, what am I supposed to do knowing that? Here's what we know as followers of Jesus Christ. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We can't be sure of very much anymore. But here's what we absolutely, every single one of us can know for certain what our next step is. Our next step is to tell the truth. Our next step is to forgive those who've hurt us. Our next step is to love God and love other people. You know, there's a lot of, of, of folks who, who think they're so smart. And, and what they want to do is, God, you know, where I want to get is over here. And, and since I know what the end is, I can justify this lie I'm going to tell or, or stealing this thing or being mean to these people or dishonoring uh, other folks that don't look like me or think like me. I, I'm free to do that because after all, God, I, I'm trying to get over here. Do not deceive yourselves. Do not be deceived. God cares about each step we take. We don't need to be so much worried about where things are going to lie in the end. Here's what I promise you the Word of God teaches. If you will take each step in obedience to God's Word, after weeks, after months, after decades of taking each step in obedience to God, you will look back and you will see a wake of blessing. Not only to you, but to those who've been around you. Friends, don't get so worried about what next week or next year. What is your next step of obedience? What does God's word tell you to do in this next moment, in, in these next hours after you leave here? That's what God's Word is telling us. He's telling us to, to walk in His way, to step in obedience. And if you will, if you will repent and believe the gospel, you can pursue and recover God's design by stepping out and live. And look how we'll live. Look at verse 11. Look how we'll live. We'll live as sojourners and exiles and abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. See, if, if you will take each step in obedience to God, you can keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. By obeying God's word, we get to experience and be God's blessing. Think about that. By simply obeying God's word, we get to experience and be God's blessing. 
And that's one of the great ways that we can love our country. Third, we love our country best by submitting to God's servant. Verse 13 and 14, it's very hard for some to stomach this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governor sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Friends, Christians are to obey God by obeying those God has placed in positions of leadership over us in government. Those in government who have legal authority are God's servants. Romans 13, 4. Know this text. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now there's no doubt, and we as a nation can give testimony to this, that there comes time when people, Christians in particular, are to stand against the governing officials and the state to which we belong. Our founding documents speak to this need. Again, to the uh, First Amendment. Congress shall make no law no law, you know, respecting the establishment of religion or government. We looked at that, prohibiting free uh, exercise thereof or bridging freedom of speech or of the press and not prohibiting the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Again, look at the, the Declaration of Independence. We are to pursue life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That, whatever, uh, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and to organize its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. This is why peaceful protests are good for the nation. In America, we, we can protest injustice. We can protest the killing of babies. We can protest and call for the changing of laws. And as children of the great lawgiver, we have a responsibility to follow and honor the laws of the land inasmuch as they do not keep us from obeying God. We are to be good, helpful citizens by keeping the laws of the land and affirming the law enforcement of the land. We are to affirm and to thank and to pray for and to encourage law enforcement. That is our responsibility. We are blessed here in Bowling Green. We are so blessed because we, we have been under, uh, you know, Chief Doug Hawkins for almost 15 years now. He is now retired. But, you know, we have been so blessed throughout the, this traumatic season in our nation because of his leadership, because of the leadership of our police force, because they have sought peace. And I pray for our next chief. We need a godly leader that's going to continue to create a culture of, of humble service to our city. And I want to encourage you to pray towards that end. As a matter of fact, let's pray towards that end right now. Let's pray. Father God, we, we need a, a godly chief Lord, we would know no human being is perfect. So raise up the man or woman that you deem best capable of continuing to provide peace, upholding the laws, and let us be found as a people of faith at Living Hope to be those who affirm law enforcement and encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen.
Last thing, we love our country best by fulfilling God's purpose. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Friends, this is how we should think about our lives. We're here to love, to encourage, to be salt, to be light, to be those who, who are under law. We are to pursue the will of God by doing the good that we are commanded to do and using our freedom to serve God's purpose. And what is God's purpose? The last thing Jesus told his disciples before he ascended, he said, look, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Jesus said, because I'm in control and because I'm in charge, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to make disciples. This is the will of God. If there are people who are lost, if they will be saved, if enough of them will be saved, it will create an awakening. Within an awakened nation under the authority of God, there is a blessing that comes. Friends, this is what we are to pursue We are to pursue God's blessing that comes through salvation in Christ alone. Now, to do that as a church, I mentioned this to you last week, and I want to continue to put this in front of you. It is crucial that we engage in the life of our church family, that we adapt and that we advance together. Friends, engaging in worship, engaging in groups, it's crucial. It's it's biblical. It's commanded. Now we're going to have to adapt. So we adapt in worship. We sit spread out. We wear masks when we enter, when we pray and praise. We take them off when we're receiving the word of God because no one should eat with a mask on, all right? If you see someone in a restaurant eating with a mask, tell them to stop. That's not what it's for. So when you're, when you're receiving God's word, you don't have to, you don't have, to have a mask. You can, take it off. you can receive God's word. Before we go, we put the mask back on. And, and we do that out of, out of just wisdom, just out of a desire to protect but we're here and we have to adapt. So those of you who have children, we're going to try to get children in the front yards of people's houses to study God's word. Our students are going to get together. Yes, there's going to be Bible study. There's also going to be a a lot of uh, fellowship that encourages their hearts to be with their friends. Listen, we all need real hope with real friends for the real world. And parents, you got to know we're going to need you to help your child engage, to adapt so that we can advance together. You're being contacted by leaders. If you are not being contacted by leaders and you have children, call me, email me. I will make sure that you are contacted so that you can know how you can engage, how you can adapt, adapt, and how you can advance together. This is God's will for us. And I know that some of you are not in God's will. And I want to challenge you today to get in God's will. Some of you are outside of God's will, and here's why. You've never repented and believed the gospel. You don't have a salvation story. He's never changed your life. You may be a churchgoer. You know, this week in our awakening prayer, we were praying and have been praying that God would save people who claim to be members of the church but are not truly Christians. I wonder if that's you this morning. 
sitting here at home, wherever you may be listening, I want to ask you to do something. If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to invite God to, to speak to you right now. Ask God to remind you of that moment when you repented and believed the gospel. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he has been changing your life as you've been pursuing and recovering God's design. Remember that salvation is transformation. Now be very honest with yourself. Have you been transformed by the power of the gospel? Are you or are you just a Christian-aware, church-aware person? If you've never repented and believed, you're in trouble. Why don't you do that right now? Why don't you ask God to forgive you? Pray something like this in your heart. God hears you in your heart. Say this to him. God, forgive me. I know Jesus died to pay for my sin to forgive me. Take over my life. Fill me with your love so I can pursue and recover your design. If you really mean that and you've prayed that right now, give thanks to God for saving you. And now let him know who you're going to tell about how he has saved you today so that you can talk to someone. Many of you are brothers and sisters in Christ, but if you're honest, you've lost your heart for God. You're not salt. You're not light. Because you've, you've lost your passion and you've hid the light. Right now, ask God to forgive you. Right now, just pray, just say, Lord, please forgive me for this, for my attitude, for my sin, for my indifference. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk in obedience to his word. Father God, I pray today you are doing business with us. I pray that you have saved some and made them your own. I pray that you have renewed the hope of some and that they are ready now to shine as light and to be salt in our society. I pray that we as a church here at Living Hope, that we would be a blessing to our city and country, that we would love our country in obedience to your word, and that we would accomplish your purpose for which you've placed us here. God, if you will do this, we promise we will give you the praise because we can't do this, but you can awaken this nation to salvation in Christ alone. And we ask that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen.